Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Money FM 89.3, Imad Akhtar here with you on The Bigger Picture. And today we're going to be talking about IPO capital markets in Southeast Asia. Now, this year, they saw a reasonably healthy number of over 150 listings in the first 10 and a half months or so of the year. But despite this, the IPO amount raised was the lowest in eight years. These were just some of the findings from Deloitte's latest analysis of the region's IPO capital markets. And we'll be doing a deeper dive into this report with Hui Ling. She's the Disruptive Events Advisory Leader for Deloitte Southeast Asia and Singapore. And she's on the line now. Hui Ling, good morning. How are you? Morning. Thank you. I'm good. Thank you for having me on there. Yeah, very good to have you on. Let's untangle this report that you've compiled for this year. Could you give us an overview of Southeast Asia's IPO listings for 2023, some of the strongest performers and the amounts that were raised versus in previous years? So let me pop it up the data to full year, right? Um, for full year 2023, mm. Southeast Asia, we have seen about 163 IPO completed as compared to the number that you've seen just mm. now at 10 and a half months, right? Um, the amount raised for full year is US dollar 5.8 billion. Mm. The total market cap is 41.7 billion. As you correctly pointed out, compared to last year, the amount raised and market cap saw a decrease of about 20, 25-26%. Right? But if we were to dive deeper into buy sector, five out of six exchanges within the Southeast Asia saw a drop in the number of IPO, except for Indonesia, which recorded an all-time high of 75 IPO. From the market perspective, Indonesia, Thailand, Malaysia, the top three IPO market in this year, contributed 98% of the total amount raised, of which Indonesia by itself is already contributing more than 50%. So if I were to look at the top 10 blockbuster for Southeast Asia in 2023, the top 10 contributed 59% of total fundraise this year, All which right. means that the remaining 153-odd IPO contributed the remaining 41%. Indonesia doing the bulk of the heavy lifting when it comes to IPO listings for 2023. Huilang, what trends did you see this year? Any particular industries that stood out when it comes to majority of listings? Yes, yes. So from the Southeast Asia perspective and also from Indonesia lens as well, there are two sectors that stand out. The first is the energy and resources. And when you talk about energy and resources, it's no longer just the traditional mining sector. We are moving towards renewable energy. So in Indonesia, we have seen company that is associated with the upstream of EV markets where you supply the lithium-ion battery. You have all those renewable energies, uh, company that successfully listed, and they are our top five blockbuster for Southeast Asia this year, which also the top five for Indonesia. All five of them came from Indonesia. The second sector that stand out is consumer business. So as you are aware, consumer business are traditionally the stronghold in Southeast Asia, but we have seen a shift from the necessity-based consumer business, which is what we remember a couple of years ago, the manufacturers of instant noodle and the rest of the necessity-based consumer business. This year, we've seen a trend moving towards consumer business that has focused on brand experience, mm. entertainment, and also leverage of technology such as cinema operator. So we've seen this shift is a reflective of the evolving demographic within this region, where the young seek out for more experience beyond the basic 
Wheeling, just reading through the report, there was also a trend of an increasing number of companies listing on the secondary boards of Southeast Asian bosses. The significance behind this? Indeed, indeed. So if you look at from a Southeast Asia perspective, I mentioned about the top 10 blockbuster, but none of these top 10 blockbuster fundraise surpass 1 billion US dollar. So which means that they are a larger pool of, I would call it, mid or smaller size company that's listed, purely for the reason that the larger counter has the muscle and ability to hold and wait for the market. So this year, in 2023, about out of the total fund raise of 5.8 billion, 74% of this counter are listed on the secondary board versus the main board. So first reason is what I have just mentioned. The second reason is we observe a very interesting trend where market like in Malaysia, the secondary board are a lot more active in terms of trading. And we see a lot of companies, even though they qualify for main board listing, they may still want to go for secondary board for purely for the trading velocity and also the liquidity that's present in that board. All right, speaking of listing on secondary boards, let's focus in on Singapore. We've had six Catalyst IPOs, I believe, for this year. How would you assess the performance of IPOs here in Singapore? Yes, Singapore this year, six IPO raised 35 million US dollars. Of course, on top of that, we still have two secondary listings on the main board itself and also one completed this spec. What I would say from an observation perspective, first thing, the six IPO on Catalyst, the industry sector are more or less in line with what we observe in the Southeast Asia, where they come from consumer business, energy and resources, etc. Right? Another interesting observation that we have seen is on top of the six catalyst listed IPO, there are a good number of Singapore-based companies that is actually going abroad, looking at listing opportunity out of the Singapore and the region. We have observed seven Singapore-based companies that have successfully listed in US this year. So I would say that from a Singapore market perspective, given the growth in the business this couple of years and the focus and attention in Singapore, we have many Singapore companies that's ready to explore a listing and they are well exposed to the international market that they are looking for destination that meet their plan and their aspiration. Like you mentioned, the equity capital market here has raised about 35 million in proceeds for this year, but it happens to be the lowest for a full year in more than three decades. And perhaps that's down to the patchy performance of three Singapore-based SPACs that are putting more pressure on this market. We had Pegasus Asia, which this week said its board had decided not to conclude a planned merger. Novotelis is reportedly set to be dissolved. And then we also have shares of 17 Live that have slumped almost 60%. Of course, they are backed by another Singapore-listed SPAC, Vertex. So what's happening and what does it mean for SPAC optimism heading into 2024? I would like to look at the bigger picture. SPAC targets, they typically will look at the high-growth tech and ever company or company from a new economy that will promise the growth from a D-spec perspective. If you look at the U.S. market, we have also observed similar trend where the number of company that announced for D-spec or completed D-spec has declined quite significantly compared to last year or the year before. So I would say that the current observation that we have seen in the market for the Singapore spec is in a way in line with what we observe in the market and mm. is due to the current economy environment. Overall, if you look at forward-looking observations, a spec listing framework in Singapore, I still believe that is a sound framework. The market may not be ready at this moment, given the various external environment factors. I would believe that 
prospect will still remain a viable option in time to come for investor and also for company to tap onto the capital market. Okay, let's talk about delistings to finish off here. It seems like the flow of delistings from the SGX appears to be slowing down. We've had 25 companies in the year to December 13th that have delisted, which is around 11 fewer than last year. And some industry watchers expect these delistings to slow further in 2024. What's your take? I would tend to agree in some sense because some of the rules that is introduced by both the regulator and also XGX will make it, I will use the word tougher, for companies who wanted to take the company private beyond what is called the fair value. But having said so, the listing rule does require if the company does not perform well and no longer meet the listing criteria, we still need to go on the listing. So I would say that, yes, with the strengthen or a tougher delisting rule, the count likely to go down. It will still depends on the performance of the company that's currently listed. All right, Tehui Ling, thank you so much for your time this morning. Yep, thank you so much. Weiling is the Disruptive Events Advisory Leader for Southeast Asia and Singapore for Deloitte. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.